Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 370 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, the godfather of the podcast, Bill Lack. How are you today, Bill? I'm, I'm great because Chad came home from work early so that he wouldn't keep me up past my bedtime to do this podcast when it was originally scheduled. Yeah, Bill goes to the bed a little early. Um, but, you know, he's the godfather, so we permit it. But, uh, you know, so we're able to do it before midnight. So that's good. Um, that's, that's, hey, Chad, us old people, man. We eat at four and go to bed at eight. I know, the early bird special. I've heard about it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let's talk about Cincinnati Reds, uh, if if we can. Uh, Bill, we have <laughs> I know, right? Here's the here's the way I will, I'll lead off here. This is probably the what what we need to get used to. Okay, the first uh, the first podcast of the season, Jason Linden and I were talking about the Reds, and it was uh, after the opening day game, and the Reds lost that opening day game eleven to six. It was kind of, I mean they scored six runs, so that was good, but it was, it was kind of ugly. Castillo wasn't great, and so um, the, basically the the tenor of that conversation was okay. Hold on, this is still the same. You know, we don't know it enough yet. Let's still be optimistic. The Reds have a lot of good players. And then the second podcast of the season, it's Chris Garber and I, and the Reds run off a six-game winning streak, and it's just, um, it was a five-game winning streak at the time we recorded it. But uh, things are glorious, and it was just the, that week was more fun than any week that we've had on the podcast in many, many years. Since certainly, since probably since the, well, I guess you could say the end of last season was fun, but the, I don't know. That was there was a malaise over the end of last season, but since probably 2013. And then the Reds turn around and they go two and four in the most recent week. They dropped and two very out. Very easily could have lost one of those. Absolutely, they uh, win in ten innings against Arizona in the opener there, but end up losing two out of three at Arizona. They lose two out of three uh, at San Francisco, and so the Reds are, are coming home to face the Indians and another rough West Coast road trip. We've seen those before, but uh, you know, I, I, I guess my my thought here is this is. Probably what this team is going to be. We just need to get used to it. They're going to be up and down. They're they're basically a 500 team in my opinion, maybe slightly above 500, but and they're going to be uneven. It just is the what it is. I mean, this is not a great team, but it's not a bad team. So, Bill, your thoughts on the week that was? Well, I, I resent Chris Garber because he got the good week. You know, he always gets all the good stuff. You, you know, know, he's your he's your favorite. <laughs> Uh, well, you, um, ma- you make a joke, but, uh, you know, um, if you didn't have to go to bed so early, you might have been on last week. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first one, and, and you, I don't think you guys really talked about it, in, 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 and I know you and I had kind of we, we shared text messages about it at the time, and I don't think you and Chris really hit on it. Even that first week, I think the Reds got more dinkers and dunkers and, you know, cue ball base hits and stuff in that first week than they did all of last year. Yeah. The, the Babbitt gods batting average on balls in play finally turned around for the Reds that way. I think you're, I don't think, I mean, listen, you can't score 40 runs or whatever in four games or whatever they scored uh, without being able to hit, but, but you're right. You're, I think you're absolutely right. You know, and, 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 you know, the first, the the first week, uh, that week they got in, in, in the six games, they got, 10, 11, 9, 8, 17, and 10 hits. That's a lot. On this, on this road trip, they got 11 and 12, and then they got 2, 5, 7, and 4. 
and shut out twice. Yes. And 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 in and in those in a, in those games where they were hitting in single digits, one of them they had zero extra base hits, and one of them they had one extra base hit. I, I was I was just trying to. It, it just seemed to me, and 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 I was trying to look at some numbers to see if. And I don't even know if these numbers mean anything. I'll be honest with you, but it seemed to me watching the Reds on the road trip that they got overly aggressive at the plate. That they weren't working the count like they were earlier in the like in the first few games, and what I noticed was when I when I looked at it in, in the first in the first six games, the opposing pitchers were throwing an average of 154 pitches a game, and in the last six they were averaging 130 pitches a game. Interesting. I don't know if that means anything or not. And in, in, in the opposite was with the Reds pitchers. In the first six games, they were throwing like 128 pitches a game. And in the last six, they were throwing almost 160 pitches a game. Well, I, I don't think we can uh, declare that that's because the Reds were being more aggressive or not being as selective as they were. I mean, because they were on base a lot more. Um, but maybe they're and so, so more at bats, and so that causes more pitches. But maybe they were on base more because they were more selective and, uh, and working – the counts. I see what you're uh, what you're seeing. Uh, certainly, um, I, I'm not sure I'm ready to declare that there was some big change in uh, uh, in approach, but uh, it was a pretty stark difference when you're talking about scoring, you know, six, nine, twelve, five, fourteen, eleven versus you know the last uh, five games, three, zero, three, six, and zero runs, and losing oh, and, four of the last five. And, and if you go back to the first game in Arizona. They jumped out to a five nothing lead. Boy, that was a frustrating. It was a four nothing lead, wasn't it? No, it was five. Oh, they thought... scored one in the top of the sixth. Then Arizona scored three in the bottom of the seventh, two in the bottom of the eighth. Oh, I'm thinking about the uh, the middle one in San Francisco. I think where they're up four nothing. Castillo. In, yeah, they were up four nothing in the top of the first, and then it's four four at the end of the uh, at the end yeah, of the that, first. Yeah. yeah, the Castillo. But the other thing I noticed was on the on the road trip is the 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 bullpen just stank other than tj anton oh my gosh He's uh, perez is perez can't throw strikes bedrosian can't throw strikes Doolittle gives up too many hits I, I, and, and i'm not saying this is going to be a trend i'm just saying in these last six games that's why they were two and four uh, and and the, the starters were you know down a little bit in the amount of innings they were throwing not a whole lot you know Maybe a third or two thirds of an inning. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that the bullpen. That's a you know CNL Perez. I I watched that guy pitch. I mean, he's a twenty five years old. First of all, he's one of these spin rate uh, gods, you know. And I watched that guy pitch. I'm like, oh my goodness. Every once in a while, throw a pitch, and I'll be like, whoa, you know, what was that? But uh, you know, he can't throw strikes. He has, well, he can't throw strikes. But he struggles. He walks too many guys. But he's a guy that I look at and I think, man, the talent this guy has. So so who knows? And again, everything with the bullpen, I think it's a good point that you made. And we need to talk about the bullpen because that was something I was never confident about going into the season because the Reds let two quality relief pitchers walk just because they didn't want to pay them. Yep. Uh, Rosella Iglesias and Archie, Archie Bradley. And we've talked about that at length. We don't need to get into too much more. But, you know, that's two guys that have demonstrated success, and that's going to hurt your bullpen. Not that I think the Reds are going to have a bad bullpen. I, I don't think that. Um, I think Cam Bedrosian is a guy who has been awful this year, <laughs> largely, but he's, in the, over his career, he's been successful. Sean Doolittle, he went to the University of Virginia, so he's clearly perfect. Um, Carson Fulmer. You know, oh, 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 
Oh, oh come on. Come on. Carson Fulmer went to Vanderbilt, so he's probably awful, but he's actually been okay uh, so far. Um, I don't know. Big Sal Romano is Big Sal Romano. The the one that Aaron Garrett has been terrible. Well, and that's the that's the one I was going to say, and I think we probably need to discuss. I love Amir Garrett. I love his swagger. I love his attitude. I love the fact that he's uh, sort of trying to be a leader on this team. Um, I hate the fact that he played basketball for St. John's because screw St. John's. But um, but I like everything else about Amir Garrett. And I think Amir Garrett. It, it, what's that? Except right. Well, that's that's where we're going. I mean, I think Amir Garrett is a good reliever. I think he's a quality member of any big league bullpen. I think he's a, you know, um, at least a setup guy in most big league bullpens. But the fact of the matter is, Amir Garrett is 29 now, and he's always been really inconsistent. He's he's never really he's never really been dominant. He's never really justified kind of uh, the attitude he has out there. And I keep waiting for that to happen. Uh, and again, I, I, I'm happy the Reds have him. I want him in in my bullpen because man, when he's on, he's on. But we have to concede that he, he again, he's now 29. At some point, he's going to have to show us, you know, who he is, right? Well, he's in his fifth year in the big leagues. He's thrown in 175 big league games, and when you, and and like you said, when he's on, you can't hit him, right? But you don't. When he comes out of that bullpen, you don't know what you're going to get. Now, all relievers are that way to a certain extent, and we've talked about that a million times. But with a game on the line, I'll tell you what: I'd rather have Lucas Sims out there. Yeah. That's just me. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just Amir Garrett is what he is—a a perfectly cromulent reliever. He's he's good, but. You know, does he, is he the closer? I, you know, I, I, I'm a, I've only got an undergraduate degree. What was that word you just used? That's a, it's a Simpsons reference. Sorry. Uh, well, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's nonsense. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, basically. Uh, <laughs> but he's perfectly acceptable. Uh, I think we all see the highlight moments from him when he is unhittable, and we. This is the way the brain works, anyway. And you tend to forget the times that he can't throw a strike. Uh, and he has those moments, so I don't know. I, I would love, for, right? I would love for him to be a. I would love, love for him to be a dominant closer. Oh, I love that. I think having a shutdown lefty at the back of the bullpen would be fantastic. Um, but I mean, at some point, he's going to have to show it. He's going to have to do it on the field consistently. And certainly, you know, he's pitched three innings this year, and he's given up five earned runs uh, and a couple of homers. Um, Let's not judge anybody in this bullpen based on what they've done in this small sample. But again, you know, Garrett's Garrett. We've kind of seen him now for a while. Uh, I'm not worried about him, but let's not have expectations that are, you know, outsized for what we've seen. I think I think that's fair, right? I agree. Yeah. I mean, last year he gave up four home runs in 18 innings. The year before that, he gave up seven home runs in 56 innings. Mm-hmm. You so, know, it seems like his home run is get, thing is getting worse, not better. Right, yeah. I mean, uh, great attitude, great uh, personality. You know, seems like a really good PlayStation player. Um, but uh, and and you know, uh, I guess it was uh, the Jim Day podcast. There are actually other podcasts out there. Don't go listen to them, but there are other podcasts. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, and there was one with I think uh, with Jesse Winker and Amir Garrett, I believe. 
And yeah, it was last year, I think, during spring training. Yeah, and both those guys, you're just like, oh, my gosh. They seem like so much fun to hang out with and just good guys, you know. Um, but And that's great. I love having guys like that. That's something I've said about this Reds team. I think there are a bunch of guys that are easy to root for, you know. Um, there's nobody out there that you're like, ugh. I wish he weren't there necessarily. There's no Kevin Gregg types. I'm sorry, Kevin Gregg. Or um, who was the outfielder that they got from the Cardinals for a minute? Um, Jim Edmonds. Yes. Yeah. No Kevin Quackenbushes either. You know, just guys you're like, come on, why are these guys on the field? No former Cardinals that you're just like, ugh. So uh, Garrett's in there, but I don't know. I think we need to temper our expectations. I guess is the way I'll put it. Um, While we're talking about the bullpen, do we want to talk about Anton? Well, let's go ahead. Yeah, that was that was something that I had on the uh, agenda for tonight, and uh, now's as good a time as any. Uh, so I will frame the question for you this way, Bill, and then I want you to take off and run with it. Is T.J. Antone the best pitcher you've ever seen in your life? I saw Koufax. <laughs> okay. Is he better? <laughs> was, was Koufax better? A little bit. <laughs> but uh, let me ask you a question. Is T.J. Anton being wasted in the Reds' bullpen? Okay, this is a conversation you and I have had. Go ahead. Being used the way David Bell is using him. Well, the answer is yes, isn't it? It is. It seems to be me. He's pitched three games, in t- in three games out of 12, and he's thrown, what has he thrown here? Uh, 6.2 innings. 6.2 innings. Yeah. Which is what about what you get from him in one start. Yeah. And he would have made two or three starts at this point if he were in the rotation. Probably two starts, yeah. Yeah. This is a conversation that you and I had both online and offline. Yep. When David Bell made that uh, statement in in spring training that he wanted to use Antone out of the bullpen. And and my position was, okay, well, teams are getting creative with their bullpens. I mean, we've got no starters basically going more than five innings these days. And so if you will be creative and you'll have a guy that can go two or three innings two or three times a week out of the bullpen – and that's what, exactly what you said, two or three times a week out of the bullpen. Then he can be as valuable as a starter because you can pick and choose the times to use him. Yep. Um, and and so that goes back to what you just said about the way David Bell is using him. He's not using him like that, is he? No, he's not. And and, and, and to go back what you, to where this whole thing started with, it seems like David Bell had made his mind up before spring training started that Antone was not – because Antone pitched really, really well in spring training. He could not have done any more to make the rotation than he did. Yeah. How do you – if you're not going to use him as anything other than just a typical middle reliever, really, um, how do you justify leaving him out of the rotation, uh, you know, and uh, and choosing in favor of Jeff Hoffman, who's been been fine. I mean, I don't have any issues with Hoffman so far. And Jose de Leon, who are essentially the Reds' four and five starters early in in the season. I just – Antone's younger. He's 27, and his stuff, man, you watch that guy pitch. And, I mean, we, I joke about the best pitcher ever, but, you know, <laughs> you watch him pitch, and it's 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 special sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, he's fun to watch. Gosh. Because he makes, he makes some good hitters look silly. Why does he spell his name T-E-J-A-Y? Because his mama named him that. Oh, okay, so it's not, it's not on him. <laughs> actually, I actually kind of love that. TJ, but you spell it out phonetically. Uh, did well, you know, did you know that I'm hooked on phonics? That's what it is. It's hooked. He, he, his mom was one of the original co-writers. Of <laughs> on phonics. 
Hooked on Phonics worked for me. Um, so how do we justify him not being a starter at this point? I, I don't think because I can. can't. No, and I think we've got a question about that later. So you want me to to just slow down, and we'll talk no, about that later. I'm just, I, but but I mean, we 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 know we got Gray coming back this on Saturday, and it was on Hoffman's day. But uh, no, I think Friday was going to be Hoffman's day, wasn't it? Yeah. So and De, and Gray's going on Saturday. So you assume De Leon's going. Somebody's got to go down. Well, let's let's go ahead and, and analyze it by taking that viewer mail question. Okay, it's our birdie, Matt LaCron. This is the first viewer mail question of the night. These come from our friends at patreon.com slash redlegradio. Matt LaCron asks, when will Antone make his first start this season? Let's use that as the way to frame this. When will TJ Antone make his first start this season? What do you think? I think sometime in May. Sometime in May. I, I, I think he will push Jeff Hoffman out of the rotation. Um, at some point he has to, I think, right? Uh, well, you if you were a normal person <laughs> managing his baseball team, I would think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, I'm, we're, we've climbed all over David Bell every you know for for a year and a half now or a year and whatever. But I mean, other than other than this thing that we're talking about right now i I have no arguments with the way david bell has managed this team pretty much for the first two weeks Uh, yeah but but this this decision makes absolutely no sense to me this is the one that yeah uh, you know again we got we got quibbles with uh the fact that they don't have a shortstop etc and we're going to talk about that a little bit and so that david bell's making the best of a bad situation there Um, that's not david bell's fault exactly right um this is the one where i just can't see any justification the only justification for T.J. Antone not being a starter is, and because T.J. Antone wants to be a starter, he's been made that very clear. The only justification is that, well, I'm, you know, we can be creative out of the bullpen. We can pick high leverage moments to use him and use him for multiple innings, and um, and he can help the team that way. And I'm like, okay, well, I can buy that. We'll use him that way. And maybe we're early in the season; they just haven't had the opportunities to to do that. I don't know. He's pitched uh, half the games that Carson Fulmer's pitched. He's ha- pitched half the games that Sal Romano's pitched. You know, um, I, I I don't get it. It makes no sense to me. I think the answer uh, to Matt's question is is probably I, I agree with you. At some point, he's going to take Hoffman's spot in the rotation, and uh, or you know uh, who knows somebody may get hurt before that. But uh, hope hope not. Fingers crossed. But uh, so sometime it'll be sometime after May one. And we'll just have to wait and see. Do, do you think, and again, I, I, maybe I'm making an excuse here for David Bell. Do you think maybe this early in the year he thinks his arm needs more time to recover? Because he's pitching, you know, a couple, two-plus innings a start. I mean, a, a relief appearance, and he doesn't think he can bounce back quick enough this early in the season with cold weather, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I you yeah. think that could possibly have anything to do with it? I don't like you being charitable to David Bell, but I think that you're not wrong. I mean, that's a possibility. Yeah, that's a possibility. Um, I mean, you know, it, it is a thing. You got to kind of. I mean, that's what spring training is supposed to be for—to work up. But on the other hand, well, you got to you got to pay attention to these guys' arms. Yeah. And, and in cold weather, who? Yeah, that could. It could be. It could be a reason. So, again, I don't like you trying to, um, you know, make excuses for David Bell. First of all, I'm sorry. Because I, It'll again. I was pro David Bell, and man, he lost me. Um, 
So and while, while we're talking about the bullpen, um, there are seven other pitchers on the 40-man roster that are not on this team right now. If I was somebody with options, especially, I would be very concerned. <laughs> but yeah. my, my question is, most of these guys that we're talking about that are struggling, Perez probably has options. But mm-hmm. you know Doolittle doesn't. You know Bedrosian doesn't. Sal Romano doesn't. Sal Romano doesn't. Uh, and neither does um, Hoffman. Right. De Leon does. I know. I think so, De- I think De Leon goes down. I think he goes down when when Greg this weekend. Yeah, I do too. I think he goes to Louisville. <laughs> Although I think he could help the Reds bullpen. But I, who, who would you send down? Would you send Perez down if it, if you were making the decision? No, no, Perez is not the guy I'd want to get rid of. I'd want to, probably. I hate to say it, Sal Romano is part of the guy I'd want to get rid of, but you can't. So that's why Dalian goes down because Sal Romano doesn't have options. He got although he right. may not he may not get claimed uh, if you expose him to waivers. But uh, no, I don't send yeah. I don't send Perez down. I love Perez. I'm actually. A, I know his ERA is 8.31 after five games, but, man, I'd watch that guy, and he struggles to throw strikes, but there's so much talent there. I want to see what he can do with Derek Johnson. I just – if you can't throw stri- if you can't throw strikes, you can't pitch for me. That's it. I get it. You're not wrong. You're not wrong, but, man. It just walks make me absolutely – walks make me scream at my television. I know. It makes you send uh, awful texts to me. But can't you see with Perez, though, when you're watching, can't you see that talent? Oh, absolutely! He's got incredible stuff, but you know it's got to be in the neighborhood of the ball of the of the, of the, of the of that 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 ball, that thing that they call home plate. Yeah, you can't hit the bull with every third pitch. Uh, yeah, that's right. Little and, bull and you gotta, if you're going to hit the bull, it's got to be when Crash tells you to. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe you send down Perez. Um, he is just twenty five, but I don't. And maybe that's yeah, the right thing. Send him down, and maybe he, you know, maybe it's a wake up call for him, and you bring him back up in a month, and he's. What you hoping for? Well, the one thing we can say about the Reds now, as opposed to to past years, they do have a uniform kind of uh, pitching program throughout their organization. So if you send him yeah. down, it's not like you're just putting him in the hands of some uh, you know AAA pitching coach, and you know you, you're getting different mixed messages or whatever. So, um, yeah. So I, you know, I, I I think it's it's okay. I don't mind if they do, but I don't know. I want to see that guy. Um, I think he's better than what he what we've seen. Thus far, while we're beating on the bullpen, <laughs> it's gonna be the bullpen uh, edition of the podcast. Their ERA is the bullpen as a group. The ERA is four point seven. They've given up eight home runs and twenty four walks and forty six innings. That ain't good, uh, right? But I would just say it's just forty six innings. Yeah, yeah I, I, I I agree. I know you're not making any grand declarations, but no, they've not been good. Saying, that's where we stand. And yeah. And and I saw that you you did something on Twitter about not being at all worried about Luis Castillo and and I'm not either, but he has not been good. Yeah, and two out of his three starts, he's not been good. Nah, okay, it's true. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you, but he's he's great. He's you know he's been bad in April every year of his career. But it's not as well. It's his worst month, but not by a lot. Oh. He's been almost as bad in June as he has been in April. 
Well, because he gets distracted by celebrating my birthday in June, and it, he loses focus for a few starts. That's not what it is. He's getting excited about my upcoming birthday in ah, July. I see. Okay. But, you know, but, I mean, his his June, April, and August, is at least his ERAs, are, are very similar. So are you telling me that you're worried about Luis Castillo? Because he's the last person on the whole roster no, that I'm worried about. I'm not worried about him, but he's, he's another guy. And you wonder whether... And and they kind of hint. I think it was Brantley was kind of hinting about that on the on the TV broadcast this week. And he makes it sound like he just gets distracted, or, or he doesn't concentrate, or something. Because he talked. Because especially Brantley was talking about, you know, if you're going to get him, you got to get you get him early. And 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 I've talked about that before. I can remember them saying that years and years ago about Seaver, about Carlton. You know, that if you're going to get him, get him early. But I don't remember watching them give up four and six runs in the first inning. Now I'm sure they did, and I'm just you know I don't you know your memory doesn't remember those things, but when he's bad, he's bad. Yeah, but what I'm hearing here is that Luis Castillo is not maybe not as good, but almost as good as Tom Seaver and Steve Carlton. Is that what I'm hearing here? No, that's not what you're hearing. He's got he's got a ways to go to. I, I think I think if he could do what he's doing, he's done in his first few years for for twelve or fifteen years. Yeah, well, yeah, he'd be mentioned in those same kind of. <laughs> Only the Hall of Famers can do that. Yeah, um, exactly. No, listen, I, I, I'm just, I'm not going to worry about it either, but it's frustrating. I guess when I, with great power comes great responsibility. With, well, and, and with great talent comes great expectations. And when he doesn't meet the expectations, it's, it frustrates me. Fair or unfair. That's just the way it is. You sound like uh, Peter Parker's uncle. <laughs> um, little comic book reference for you there. I forget his name, Uncle. I don't know. It's Aunt May and Uncle Ben. Is it Uncle Ben Uncle, or is that just the rice? Uncle Ben. It's not the rice guy, but he. Okay. And of course, he got killed. So. Um. Oh, spoiler alert. Um. If you don't know that, you're not a Spider-Man. You don't know anything about Spider-Man. That's not a. That's not a spoiler alert. Well, I don't know much about Spider-Man except that the best Spider-Man movie of all time is Spider-Man Three. When uh, Tobey Maguire goes uh, dancing down the street, strutting down the street. That's the best scene in the history of any comic book movie. I dare you to tell me that I'm wrong. Do not tweet. Actually, tweet at me. Let me know that you think I'm wrong if you do, because you're wrong. At Dotson C. Everybody tell Chad how wrong he is. Yeah, I'm please. used to it. Because he needs, he needs that comeuppance every day of his life. <laughs> it's true. It's really true. Uh, Castillo, you know, listen. Okay, maybe he's set for a bad season and he's not. But there's no three-start stretch that he's ever going to have that's going to convince me that I'm, he's not the guy that I've seen. Um, I agree. So, I, I agree. He's not been good. You're right. He's not been good. But It doesn't frustrate you? It frustrates me in the sense that I feel like a Castillo start should be one the Reds have a real good chance of winning. Yep. And they haven't so far. So, that frustrates me from the team perspective, but not from a Luis Castillo's bad perspective. Yeah, I mean, he, he had one good game, and it was against the Pirates. I bet I could pitch five innings against the Pirates and give up, you know, fewer than a hundred runs. <laughs> it's like go crazy here. Well, the Pirates are pretty bad. Um, all right, so moving on. Yeah, we, we we do need to get to the news of the week that we that, that I want to talk about. But um, before we do that, I want to talk about something you and I have kind of talked about offline, really th- for the entire season, which is that we all kind of expected, we knew that. You know, Bob Castellini, Reds owner Bob Castellini, screwed this team by not letting them go out and get a shortstop. 
and we knew that was going to cause problems with the defense. When when David Bell and Nick Crawl just had to make the best of a terrible situation that their owner forced upon them, and they moved Eugenio Suarez to shortstop. Now, I've been worried, uh, you know, I don't want Suarez to become a, a focus of the, the ire of the Reds uh, fan base because he's doing the best he can. And he's Suarez, and I love him, and he's I, I love him unconditionally. But the fact of the matter is the defense for the team overall has been really bad, and frankly, Suarez, is, and we knew he wasn't a shortstop, but it's clear after, you know, two and a half weeks or whatever here, he's not a shortstop, is he? He's he's been terrible at shortstop. I I don't think I I think he's the by far the worst defensive infielder I've seen play for the Reds since Johnny Bench played third base. I don't think Johnny Bench played third base. I think Wayne Krinchicki played third base that year. <laughs> that's an inside joke. If you don't get that, you're not a real fan of Red Lake Nation Radio. That's true. That's true. I I think Joey Votto's a pretty bad infielder, no matter what people say. No, he is at this point. Uh, Mustakos has been okay at third. He seems more comfortable. I think India has been outstanding at second base. Made a bad play last night, but overall, yes. Yeah, he made a bad flip in one game earlier this week, I think, too, where he was trying to get somebody at second base, and he kind of flipped it, and it went crazy. That's rookie stuff, but, though, some of that But is. overall, I've been, I've been thrilled with his defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure this team can, can – contend with Suarez at shortstop defensively. That's how bad I think he is defensively. Yeah, and, that, and I love him too. That's a bold uh, statement, especially man. In fact, especially if he's not going to hit. He's going to hit. I hope you're right. I'm not worried about it. That's what you said all last year. Yeah, well, he was hitting by the end of the year. Full season, his numbers would have been fine. Uh, I, I'm not worried about about Gino offensively. Okay, so let me break this down just a little bit. I, you know, it's kind of I was kind of worried because the Reds most nights have five third basemen starting in their in their lineup. You got a third baseman at third base, Mustakas. You got a third baseman at shortstop, Suarez. You got a third baseman at second base, India. You got a third baseman in center field, Nick Senzel. And you got a third baseman in right field, Nick Castellanos is. He's played more other places, but he was a third baseman for a little while. So you got five people who have started at third base in the big leagues playing, uh, you know, five of your eight uh, positions. Um, now the, the, the one way to look at this is that Mustakas so far has seemed to me more comfortable at third base. And I've been pleased with his play defensively at third base and with his play at the plate. I mean, he's hitting, um, India, you're right. Some, some, you know, hiccups here and there. But he's a rookie, and he can play second base. There's no question in my mind. He's athletic enough. He can play second base. So in that sense, the infield defense is maybe improved over what we had last year. But then you look at shortstop and first base. I mean, Joey Votto is just he's – not, he's not good anymore. He was good for a little while. He's not been good for a while now. And I love Joey Votto. We can still criticize him. He's not a good defensive first baseman. Um. And I would, I would argue that he never was a very good, and even, and I know he won a Gold Glove, and I think, but that's just me. I, I think there were three or four years in the middle of his career where he really focused on it and really was a good, not a great, and maybe not even a Gold Glover, although he won one, but uh, he he didn't he didn't hurt the team at first base defensively. 
Oh, he didn't hurt him. No, I, I, I would agree with that. I, I would say he was an average, an average first baseman. Yeah, I think over the over the course of his career, he's been an average first baseman overall. I mean, I think that's the way you would say it. With, I think there's a two or three years there where he was above average, but he's also had some years where he's been below average. Now he's getting worse. He's just ugh. Well, it's getting older. I mean, you know, you don't get better defensively as you get older. I've been gotten better at everything since I got older. Other than remembering how good you used to be, apparently. <laughs> I can't remember anything. That's um, what I'm saying. But Suarez, <laughs> Suarez, man, we knew this was going to be a disaster defensively. I didn't, I didn't think it'd be this bad. I honestly did not think it would be this bad. Well, maybe it's not this bad. I mean, again, we have to concede that there may be some small sample size stuff, but man, it's looked bad. It's really looked bad. He's just, he, and maybe that some of that is just, he's not played shortstop in a few years. And so, you know, maybe, but uh, so the question I have for you though, is, is I want to know your opinion because you really have been uh, upset about the way he's played at shortstop. Deservedly so. Is the, is the defense better overall if you move Suarez to back to third, Mustakas back to second, and put India at short? I mean, he's played some short. What do you think? I, honestly, I, I have no way of, of judging that. I don't know how it could be worse. Because, I mean, and, and who was it? I think it was you and Chris said that normally there's what you had. You figured out how many balls were hit to shortstop per game. Uh, yeah, I think it was me and Jason, I think. Was it? Okay. Yeah. But yeah. And it was funny, but it just sure seems like it's a lot. I mean, he's got what, four errors? Is that right? Yeah, I think so. You know dropped the pop fly the other day. Now it wasn't it wasn't a, a you know, just a regular pop fly. He was running and he was kind of trying to backhand it, blah, blah, blah. And they did get a field a force out of it, which kept him from getting an error. Yeah, but Paul Yanish would have caught it. I don't know. I think that there are fewer balls. Def- defense is not nearly as important as, as it's been because of shifts and because there's more strikeouts than ever. It's it's less important than it's ever been in baseball history. But still, that kind of magnifies the fact that Suarez has bungled a few plays because you gotta you gotta make the plays that you get an opportunity to make. If there are fewer opportunities, you gotta make those opportunities. And I, I, there's no way to describe it other than that he's been as bad a shortstop as I've seen. The Reds have in my lifetime, probably defensively, and that's that's hard to say because he's such a. I love that guy. Is is I'm looking at uh, baseball reference and, and whatever this this total zone total fielding runs above average per 1,200 innings. He's at minus 29. I don't even and, I don't even know what that means. I don't either. I'm just looking, <laughs> you know. At these, his fielding percentage is at 909. He's got almost as many errors as he has double plays. He's got four errors and six double plays. Yeah, he struggled with turning that double play. But again, maybe that's something that'll come back, you know, as, as he gets more work there. Short. He looks to me like he's slow getting rid of the ball at shortstop. Um, you know what he looks to I, me like at shortstop? Like he hasn't played it in a long time? He looks like a third baseman. <laughs> And, and and we sound like we're ragging on him, and we don't mean it. Neither one of us mean it that way. Even I don't mean it that way. It's just he hasn't gotten the job done thus far, and I hope he turns it around. And, you know, starting tomorrow night, I hope he's, you know, Ozzie Smith out there. I don't expect that to happen, but, you know. I don't want to be Ozzie Smith because Ozzie Smith was a Cardinal. Screw the Cardinals. But, yeah, I mean, he's just been put in a position, and he was willing to do it. 
to his credit. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, let's let's not forget that he's taking one for the team here too. He's yeah. allowed them to put their best offensive team on the field. Yeah, yeah, and you know so there, he, there is something to be said for that, and and we and I hadn't cut and I hadn't said that, and I should have. Right. And there may be some personal benefit to him that, you know, if he can prove he can play shortstop, it increases his value on the open market once he gets on the open market. But the fact of the matter is he's playing out of position. It's not his fault he's not a shortstop. You know what? I'm not a shortstop. I couldn't play big league shortstop, and you wouldn't expect me to. He's a, you know, a decent big league third baseman who's trying to play shortstop. So This but, isn't the first time a, a really good player for the Reds has gone to another position to help the team. Well, let's hope it ends up the way it happened uh, the time that you're thinking about. <laughs> It'd be all right, wouldn't it? It'd be all right. It'd be all right. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, is what it is. I mean, if they if they hit like they did in the first, uh, you know, seven eight games, then we're okay. <laughs> you know, if we can average nine runs a game. We'll win more than we lose. Right. We'll we'll handle some bad defense. Um, let's run through quickly some of the uh, news of the week before we get into some viewer mail. The first thing we've really already kind of talked about: Sunny Gray uh, pitched a successful simulated game in Arizona and uh, it was good. And so now Sonny Gray is back in the Reds rotation and um right. Now the Reds uh say they're gonna put uh De Leon in the bullpen. Um so somebody has to go. So yeah, I mean I think the only pitchers on the roster, I'm looking at it now, I think the only pitchers on the roster that have options are De Leon and Perez, Cino Perez. So I guess, you know what, I think it probably Perez is going down. I've, now that I look at it, uh, I wasn't looking at that if, earlier. If, if, if I had not heard that Bell said De Leon was going to the bullpen. And if he said that, then the only one is, unless they're going to release somebody, and, and it's too early for that to happen, I would believe. Yeah. <clears throat> so Cino Perez is, is probably, uh, I mean, Romano is the only guy you probably want to cut bait on, but I wouldn't cut a bait on him just yet necessarily. So, Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to give you a chance to take a bow as your your man, Wade Miley, threw another outstanding ball game. Thank you. You know, um, again, I don't want to be known as the, the Wade Miley stan here, as the kids would say, <laughs> but I've always been saying, and Wade Miley's been good. You know, he's not, he's not giving up a run yet, has he? No, he's not this good, but he's <laughs> right. He's a fifth starter, good. You know, that's um, that's all yeah, I need. If I can get a, if I can get a guy, you know, in my fifth starter with a with an ERA of zero, <laughs> I'll keep him. Listen, Give him four hits in eleven innings. I just think he's a guy. Six that, base runners or six base runners in eleven innings and strike out nine. Yeah, he's been he's been he's been uh, fantastic and and right. He's not he's not this guy. But my whole thing was just listen. Look at Wade Miley's whole career. He's thirty four now. He's, he has a track record. We know what Wade Miley can do, and we also know what Wade Miley can do under the tutelage of Derek Johnson. He's very good with the Brewers. Uh, so I was like, come on. Reds fans were like, and again, and we're talking about largely the you know extremely online Reds fans, the ones that are on Twitter. Um, they're just like freaking out that Miley's awful because they saw him you know, in, a, in a handful of starts where he was injured last year. And I just thought, look, this guy has a track record. If he's healthy, he's good. At least good enough to be a fourth or fifth starter. So, um, so thank you. It's the first time you've ever given me an opportunity to pat myself on the back. They call that a university. Never, never expect it to happen again. <laughs> they call that a University of Virginia handshake, where you pat yourself on the back. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like that. So anyway, um, thank you though. Yeah, Wade Miley. That's the first time we've mentioned him. So uh, you know, uh, I guess that uh, I guess Perez is probably gone. 
because I just I just pulled that up where he's the only one other than De Leon that has uh, that has options. So um, I think I would send De Leon down and let him uh, at some point they're going to start playing in the minor leagues, and I'd let him start in the minor leagues, but he can help the bullpen. Um, what else do we have here? Ah, oh, Michael Lorenzen. Do you remember Michael Lorenzen? He used to play for the Reds. He used to play for the Reds, yeah. He's on the 60-day injured list now, so he's not going to be around for a while. He's the guy that we thought was going to be in the in the rotation, which, again, this is more fuel for the fire of why isn't TJ Antone in the rotation. But he's going to 60-day DL, and the Reds also claimed at the same time that they announced that because they had to create room for him on the 40-man roster. Um, Philip Deal. On waivers, they picked him up on waivers from the Colorado Rockies. Philip Deal has pitched uh, a little bit each of the last two seasons for the Colorado Rockies. 16 games, 13 and one-third innings with a stellar 8.78 ERA. Yeah, but he's from Cincinnati, I believe. Well, see, I didn't know that part. I'm, pl- I'm pretty sure. Yeah, well, that makes so much sense for the Reds. But now he has had success in the, in the minor leagues, and um, I don't know. He's a guy, so we'll see, but... Um, I, what I like about uh, the fact the Reds acquired a left-handed pitcher, Philip Philip Deal, is that I get to say stuff like, "What's the deal with this guy?" I don't know. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> so Lorenzen, man, what a disappointment! We thought Lorenzen was going to be in the start, opening day rotation, and now, uh, you know, who knows when he'll be back? That's 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 disappointing to me. Is it to you? Yeah, and and I think it leaves a big hole in the bullpen. And and you know, he had wanted to be a starter this year and I think there's no chance of that now. <sighs> yeah, unless they, you know, send him to Triple A and let him work his way back. Work his you know, arm strength up. I don't know. Does he have options? Well, I mean he can agree to do that. Yeah, no, he doesn't I'm sure he doesn't have options, but he can agree to do that. Yeah, but you can only do what, like three starts or two starts or something when you do that? Yeah. Well, they put him on the six-day deal. Maybe they can send him out there now and work start working his way up. I don't know. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Ugh. Bill, do you want to answer some viewer mail questions? Because there are some good ones that let I, us get into some of the other issues around this team. I would love to. All right. Well, let's answer some viewer mail questions. These come from our friends at patreon.com slash redleg radio where you too can support the podcast we got to give a shout out first before we begin to our newest member of the family at patreon.com slash redleg radio it's michael henry michael henry thank you so much for joining us now as we do bill we pick a, a spot for for every player on the uh redleg nation radio beer league softball team where do we see Michael Henry fitting into the lineup? I think he's a left-handed reliever. A reliever, really? That's not what I. That's not what I had. Okay. I'm telling you what I was thinking. I was thinking like a big time, a lefty, but a big time slugger. Could be. I don't know. That's what I'm. That's what I'm feeling there. So how about we, we say he's a Michael Lorenzen type? He's a he's a reliever, but he's also you know we can we can DH him when we're playing against the American League. So we call him biceps. We'll call him Mikey Biceps. Mikey Biceps Bicep. Henry. There you go. All right, Michael. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you joining the uh, joining the family and uh, and also uh, another note. Sorry it took me so long to get your uh, invitation to the Slack channel 
out to you. That's the most fun for most people. Is just get that's the two buck, two dollar a month level. You get to get in the Slack channel, and we're insane in there. We got a bunch of great people, and it's kind of a Twitter without insane people. Um, so, Michael, thank you so much. What's that? You just said they were insane people. Well, they're all insane, but they're not as insane as people on Twitter, I guess. Okay. All right. Okay. It's hard just to checking. be. It's hard to be as insane as the people on Twitter.com. <laughs> Um, before we get into viewer mail here, Bill, I gotta, I gotta mention to you, I, uh, Bill, you know what I, what I do for a living these days is I've decided to, to be a teacher, a professor. My official, mm-hmm. ti- my official title is distinguished professor of law. Can you believe that nonsense? So, well, so- I, I, I'm okay with it. Once you get past the distinguished, <laughs> I've known you, I've known you too long to buy into the distinguished. Yeah, they offered me a contract and it said Distinguished Professor of Law, and I signed it really quickly before they changed their mind. Uh, Dean of Students. That reminds, me of the old three, that reminds me of the old Three Stooges thing where somebody says, gentlemen, and they all look behind them. Exactly. Dean of Students and Distinguished Professor of Law. But anyway, whatever. I mean, I walk into class uh, today for a constitutional law class that I teach, and um, so I'm, you know, we got we got to do some things to get ready before class. I've got to set things up because we got a few people that are, you know, online basically. So we're teaching by zoom. Most people are in the classroom in person, but so I'm, I'm getting everything ready so we can get the zoom people online and get them a microphone prepared. And I hear uh, one of my students over in the, uh, the left-hand corner of the room say, I think it's child abuse to name your, uh, name your child after a Bengals player. What do you think about that, Bill? Somebody's defaming the Bengals. Well, it's not like they don't deserve it. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, but, it's, but, 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 Kenny Riley and Kenny Anderson should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And it's a disgrace that they're not. Save that conversation for our uh, Bengals podcast, please. <laughs> we'll discuss that. You um, brought the Bengals. That's true. That's true. I will say that I had at least two students on opening day wearing Cincinnati Reds caps in my class. And so I approve of that. Not going to help your grades. Sorry, but. Uh, I and I, I went to my first Cincinnati Bengals game in 1968. So, oh my God. had American football been invented then? American Football League. <laughs> All right. All right. Back to the viewer mail. We uh, we already answered uh, Matt Lacron's question. We're going to start with Joey Gaditza. Joey says, "Hey guys, seven and five to start the campaign. Not bad at all. What are you most satisfied with so far, and most concerned about? Go Reds." Uh, Joe makes a good point. Look, if you'd have told me before the season the Reds are going to start seven and five, I'd have signed on without question. That's who this team is. Um, so, what are you most satisfied with, uh, Bill, so far, and most concerned about? Let's start with what? What are we most satisfied about? Wade Miley. Yeah, yeah, Wade Miley. Um, and and DJ Anton. Uh, to me, they've been the uh, the. Most unexpected bright spots, even though Anton maybe not as much as Miley, and you know, but I, that those are those are probably who I'd hang my hat on. Well, I'd say maybe I think you're right. I think that's probably it right there. Um, I would also add that I'm I'm really happy about the performance. That's something I wrote about for Cincinnati Magazine this week. The performance of uh, three former first round picks. I think uh, Jonathan India. I think uh, Nick Senzel. I think Tyler Stevenson so far have all contributed and. Uh, and uh, and been pretty good, and and the fact that you got these former first round picks, and I guess you'd add J.C. Winker because he was a supplemental first round pick. All of a sudden, it starts looking like 
hey, wait a minute, we're, we're getting a little bit of production out of our minor league system here. So, uh, Chris Senzel's over nine. What's that? It's except Senzel's over his last nine. Yeah, okay. He's still got a 351 on base percentage. He's been good until the last nine at bats. Um, does his lack of power concern you? Well, let's wait and see. You know, not after 37 plate appearances, no. But um, he has two doubles, one of which was a triple that was changed to a to a double, but uh, and no home runs. So yeah, if, if we don't get more power, it will be concerning. But again, I, I caution some patience here. But I see a, I see an approach from him that I like. He's getting on base, and I th- I feel like he's poised to be the guy that we've been hoping. But some of that I, I'll concede. Some of that may be just me, you know, wishful thinking. No, and he only had two home runs last year. That's that's the only reason I brought it up. I mean, he well, he was injured and seventy-eight. Yeah, I I know, I know. He's but he's always injured. So <laughs> shut up. Don't speak <laughs> it into existence. We can't let him get injured again. What's your uh, what, what what are you most concerned about at this point? The bullpen. The bullpen and the inconsistency of the offense, I guess. But it, that you know, but that may just be what it is. The yeah. offense. That's what I think. I think it is what it is. I mean, they're going to be like that. But I think I'm going to agree with you, the the uh, the bullpen. I'm not really concerned. That's the, the question was asked about the, the, the word concerned there. I'm not concerned about any individual player necessarily. But uh, I, I just don't I don't think this bullpen is great. I think they could be uh, serviceable. I think they could be fine. I think De Leon probably helps them, frankly. Um, in short stints, he can, he can throw harder. But... Yeah, I'm with you on that. The bullpen. That's what we're going to say. And as like you said, they, they gave up two all-star level. Now, I know Iglesias has struggled and, and with the Angels and and uh, Bradley's on the DL right now. But overall, they gave up two all-star level relievers for nothing just because they didn't want to pay him. Yeah, I, I don't know that I'd say all-star level at this point, but I would say guys that have proven they can do it in the big leagues. And, yeah, relievers are relievers from year to year, but. Yeah, all star. Well, they were all star level at some point in their careers, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, at least guys that you could count on. I mean, they're going to be better than. I don't want to. Better than average. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't. uh, And even if they're just average, they're not going to be. I don't want to slam any of these guys, but they're you know they're not Sauramano. You know, they're not they're not Carson Carson Fulmer. Although I have fingers crossed, I think Fulmer could be okay. Our next question comes from our buddy Mike Mannix. God, I love that name every time I say it. Mike Mannix. I think he's related to Joe Mannix. Who's Joe Mannix? Is that from the television program? Yeah. Mike Connors is Joe Mannix. <laughs> yeah. Secretary was Peggy Fisher. Oh, my gosh. You can't remember what you did on Tuesday of this week. And you remember that. Right. <laughs> yep. Mike Mannix asks, sounds like Shogo Akiyama is close to being back. Who would you send down? When he's ready. And so uh, let me just give you the update on Shogo Akiyama. He has been down at Louisville, the quote-unquote alternate site, uh, rehabbing uh, from a hamstring injury that he suffered in spring training. Hasn't played any games, obviously, but um, David Bell said uh, on Wednesday this week, pretty much doing everything. We're pushing him a little harder. He's going to start playing games in the next 7 to 10 days. He's getting live at bats. He's doing everything. We're getting game action. So first week of May is what he suggested so and that's coming up on us pretty quickly who do you send down and it's an interesting question because you think akiyama outfielder we're going to send down an outfielder but who do you send down <laughs> what do you think bill i i don't know i 
Aquino's out of out of options. Um, I don't know if Blandino, you know, Blandino's an infielder. Uh, I, but you're assuming nobody's going to be hurt, and yeah, we have outfielders that tend to be hurt. Stop it! I, I I'm, I'm not, not going to allow you to slander Nick Senzel like this, Bill Lack. I did, how do you know I was talking about Nick Senzel? We've oh. got another outfielder that tends to get hurt a lot too. I know who you're talking about. Don't you start with me. I'm not dealing with this. And I love them both. I mean, I, I want them both to be battling it out for the MVP at the end of the year. I don't believe you. I think you want them to get hurt. No, that's, that's never mind. That's, you're the one that's gotten somebody hurt. Mr. Twitter. <laughs> How you start. You. How dare you? <laughs> I did get accused of that. Yeah, I know you did. Oh my gosh. I really hope Hunter Green is healthy the rest of his career. Um another in- Do you think I'd see Hunter Green this year? Or Lodolo? Yes. yes. That was something I said in my uh clearly you didn't read my uh Cincinnati magazine column this week, but um I have not seen it this week. Yeah, I know. Thank you. Um that's what I was talking about, the the first round picks, and then I think, you know what? Uh phase two of the first round picks. Could be this year. Nicoladolo, I think Nicoladolo is absolutely going to make his big league debut this year. And can, can't you see a situation at the end of the season where you bring up Hunter Green to pitch out of the bullpen if the Reds are kind of in the mix? I don't think we'll see him as a starter this year. He's hitting 101, 102 on a consistent level. 105. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. They said he was hitting 105 the other day or a couple of weeks ago. I heard that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, can't that's, you see him bringing him up? Maybe we get to September and the Reds are, you know, a couple games out or something, and it's exciting. And, and at that point, maybe we've got a full ballpark uh, at the at the what's the name of that stadium they play at Riverfront Synergy? Was it Crosley? Crosley Field. I don't know. I've not been there in a while. Um, it's the longest it's been since I've been at the Great American Ballpark. But um, I could absolutely. I, I remember what it's like being in the ballpark, and I know you do too. When Aroldis Chapman came in his rookie year there in in 2010. And just the electricity. I could see it. I could see it. So, yeah, I think we see both those guys. Uh, no, I think we see it a little definitely, but I think there's a chance we see green. And I think we definitely see green next year. Oh, but before we go on, I, I know you've got your, your boycott going. <laughs> and, you're, and, you're, and you're talking about going to see the Reds on the road. I am, yes. You know they do get a part of the, the road uh, gate. I've been waiting for someone to call me on that. <laughs> yeah but you know it's a much. whatever I, i'm also watching them on mlb.tv and i know that bob castling gets a cut of that too so it's just, listen i'm not entirely con- in, it's not an internally consistent okay. <laughs> boycott <laughs> but okay. that's fine i just wanted to bring it up yeah no thank you i appreciate that well you're always the you know you're busting my chops man you're busting my- to. thank you i appreciate that um i think it's blending that goes down I don't think they're going to expose Cast or Aquino. I think it's, I think it's Blandino that goes down. I don't think there's any way Aquino makes it through waivers. No, me either. Somebody can use that guy. The Reds can use him. I mean, you can't. I mean, he's, well, let's see. He's got two home runs. He's got three hits and two home runs and 13 at bats, 14 plate appearances. That's like having that guy come off the bench. He's, his OPS is one over one right now. Yeah, I mean, OPS no. plus of 167. That ain't bad. And and let's concede that Blandino's been pretty good in, in limited use so far, but and I like Blandino. I'd rather, you know what? I'd rather have Alex Blandino than Cal Farmer. 
is that heresy? Yep. It seems like everybody loves Kyle Farmer, but I would. I would too. I agree with you. Kyle Farmer with his OPS plus of three for his, you know, career basically. What, what is there? What is there over the course of their careers that makes Kyle Farmer a surefire, you know, bench guy in the big leagues, and Alex Blandino not? I don't understand how uh, Blandino's health. He was hurt for a while, but he's younger. I I can't see a single thing other than Alex Blandino does not play catcher, so he can't be a third catcher. Maybe I can't see a single thing that would make you want to keep Kyle Farmer over Alex Blandino. I don't. I don't I, mean, I hate to say it about I, Farmer. I'm looking, I'm looking at the the uh, team batting, you know, the the, the Reds on, on Baseball Reference. Kyle Farmer's listed as a position is UT, which I'm assuming is utility. Mm-hmm. Alex Blandano is CI. Is he like the confidential informant? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm looking at that as well. CI. Yeah, he's a he's a he's narking on he's narking on some of the guys he, in the he's bullpen. Squealing in the front office. Yeah, right. Somebody breaks curfew. So that's why. That's why he's going to get sent down. He's a narc. Oh, Blandino, come on, man. Listen, snitches get stitches. It's like Spicoli. <laughs> exactly. I think the answer is probably uh, Blandino, and, and Petro's Will says that on our Patreon site, but uh, uh, I think it's got to be because he's, you know, he's got options. Next question, yep. comes, next question comes from Joe Farsing. This is probably the best viewer mail question we've ever had. Joe asks... Wade Miley versus Dave Miley. Who wins in Mahjong? I don't even know how to answer that. I'm going to let you answer it, and then we're going why, on. Why do you take Joe's questions every week? <laughs> Listen, I, I may be the only one, but jo, Joe Joe amuses me. <laughs> His sense of humor may only appeal to me, but it uh, it amuses me. So uh, It's a pretty easy answer to this one, who wins in Mahjong between those two, right? I mean, it's obviously Wade Miley, right? If you say so. There we go. Mike I've Pe- never played Mahjong. I know what it is, but I've never played I haven't either. Mike Perry, any predictions about which Reds or Red will make the All-Star team this year? Any predict? A little early to uh, yeah, make, early. make that prediction, but um, let's, let's predict. Let's, let's pick two players that are going to make the All-Star team. Obviously, Tyler Naquin, right? No. No. Nick Castellanos. I think he he would probably be the odds-on favorite. Yeah. The other one I would say, I would hope, is Jesse Winker. Yeah, Winker would have made it last year. Yep. So, yeah, let's go Castellanos and Winker. And if those okay. guys are all-stars, that's a big help to this offense, man. Yep. Good question. All right, Michael Henry, newest Patreon member, Michael Henry, uh, asked this question. Here's what he says. New Patreon member, Michael Jordan Henry. Here with a serious question. Michael Jordan Henry. Wow. Is that really your name, man? My my my, my real name is uh is LeBron James Dotson. That's actually not true. My name is William Chamberlain Lack. <laughs> oh boy, I, need, I thought you were gonna say uh, you know George Mike and Lack based on yeah. I'm not I'm not that old. <laughs> With Michael Lorenz and out on the uh, injured list for 60 days and most of the bullpen arms looking rather lost on the mound, is it time to panic? Or do we just assume they'll find their stride like they did last season after an awful first two weeks? I, I always say this early in the season, it's not time to panic about anything yet. But And we've kind of already talked about the bullpen, but um, 
it's the weakest part of the team, I think, right? I mean, is that that's kind of what we said, but I, it's clearly the weakest part of this team. Yes. Panic, no. Concern, yes. Yeah, I think that's the way to put it. Uh, let's not get panicked just yet, but mm, there are some guys that I don't trust. Yep. Right and now. We'll just have to see. I mean, and hopefully the Reds will not let guys lose too many ball games before they, you know, they pull up one of these seven guys that are at the other, you know, maybe they have to cut bait on some some veteran that, that isn't getting a job done. And, yeah. they, and they have done that in the past. Yeah, and they'll, they'll need to if they, if they really plan on trying to compete in this uh, garbage yep. division. Petros Wills asks us, who is most likely to pull off a no-hitter this year? Despite the slow start, I'm going with Luis Castillo. Uh, I mean, I think, is there anyone other than Castillo that you would... I mean, if you had to put a, put a bet on someone, you go on DraftKings and put a bet on someone to pitch a no-hitter. It's, Castillo's the only one you're going to put money on, right? I would be E, none of the above. Yeah, right. right. That's that's clearly the choice. But if you had to pick one, it's Castillo. Yeah, it, 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 yes, but if it wasn't Castillo, I'd probably say Molly. Boy, he looked like he was going to throw one uh, against San Francisco, didn't he? He looked good. That was the Tyler Mallet we've been waiting for. Wow. He was working the ball all over the place, yeah. That's a, that's a reason why I still have a little bit of optimism here. Uh, this team can hit a little bit, and Sonny Gray's coming back. Castillo becomes Castillo again, and Tyler Mallet becomes a legit you know, one-two starter, but he's the third starter for this team. All of a sudden, this rotation, I don't know, I'm... Miley, you know, is is average, and he ends up slotting in the four spot. You're still, I mean, wow. Hold on, Miley, Mally. I don't understand your your accent. I don't understand your accent. I can't tell can't what you're saying. Wait a minute. Let me let me put some corn pone in my mouth and <laughs> uh, Tyler Mally, Wade Miley, they're different people. Miley. No, you're right. You're right. That's a that's a top four. That's pretty good. That's pretty strong. John Majewski asks, good question. True or false? Nick Castellanos is not selective enough at the plate to become a truly elite hitter. True. That's absolutely true. Nick Castellanos is not going to become a truly elite hitter. Nick Castellanos can be a really, really good hitter, though. Yep. <laughs> yeah, truly elite hitters don't come along that long. But you're right. I think that's the problem. He doesn't take enough walks. He swings out of the zone too much. But that doesn't mean he's not great. I mean, he's really... I like Nick Castellanos. I'm a I'm a I'm a Castellanos fan. Next question comes from Richard Stallard. Bill, you're going to like this question from Richard Stallard. He's uh, I like this. I did research. Oh, uh, there you go. Richard is uh, you know uh, of your generation. He's a, he's a good friend and uh, of mine for many years, and uh, uh, appreciate uh, his question here. As Pete Rose reaches 80 this week, which good grief, that's <laughs> that'll make some people feel old. It's a reminder that most of the big red machine era players are well into their 70s. And some of them, obviously, you know, rest in peace, Joe Morgan uh, is no longer with us. 50 years ago this year was the crash and burn year after a World Series visit in 1970. I'll say most of the readers here were not alive during this wonderful time. Yeah, I was I was not alive, Richard. Um, yet I hear it said it's time to move on, move away from remembering those teams, those players, that decade, which may have seen more Hall of Fame players than any other decade. So the question is, has there ever been a decade with more Hall of Fame players on the field? Well, the answer For the Reds, the answer is no. But, I would say overall it's probably no. I, I went and looked. I looked up on Jaws 
explain what Jaws is for those that don't know it. The, Go ahead and explain it. It's the, explain it yeah, Jay Jaffe is a, a baseball analyst, and he put together a, the Jaws system that um, basically uh, tells the likelihood of active players to be elected to the Hall of Fame. It just shows how close they're getting to what the you know the average Hall of Famer is, and you know the peak era of a career, what they did, how you compare to Hall of Famers and whether you got a chance to make it. It's a it's a pretty interesting system for a guy like me who, until the last few years when baseball writers screwed up the Hall of Fame, I've been crazy about, I just, I don't know, that's been a thing I've been interested in is the Hall of Fame stuff. So anyway, go ahead, say what you're saying. So I, I went out there and looked at Jaws for each position and, and players that I got to see in the 70s. And um, let me run through the list a, a little bit here. Like a catcher, I got to see Johnny Bench, Carter, Fisk, and Simmons, all Hall of Fame catchers. Uh, first base, Eddie Mc, or, or Willie McCovey, Eddie Murray. Second base, Morgan Rod Carew. Did you know Bobby Gritch is rated the eighth, number eight second baseman by Jaws? I did know that. He needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's uh... – uh, I never realized he was that good. Oh, yeah, yeah. One of the inner circle most underrated players in, in baseball history. Third, third base, Mike Schmidt, George Brett, Ron Santo, Brooks Robinson, Paul Molitor, shortstop, Robin Yount, uh, Ernie Banks, even though in the 70s Ernie Banks was playing first base, uh, Ozzie Smith, uh, Trammell, left field, Ricky Henderson, Yaskramski, Rose, Reigns, all of them should be in the Hall of Fame. Center field, the only great center fielder in the 70s was Willie Mays. Uh, right field, Hank Aaron, Frank Robinson, Clemente, K-Line, and Reggie Jackson. How's that for a lineup? Not bad. Uh, pitcher Seaver, Gibson, Necro, Blylevin, Carlton, uh, Gaylord Perry, Nolan Ryan, and relievers like Eckersley, Wilhelm, and Gossage. Uh, that's tough to beat for a decade. Yeah, if I were you know a, more serious about the craft of podcasting, I would have done more research here. The truth of the matter is, the answer to that question is whether there's been a decade with more Hall of Fame players on the field. It's probably going to be your 20s or 30s or 40s because uh, there was a time there where they were electing you know anybody you know the Veterans Committee was putting in people's buddies. That they, yeah, I mean just people who were good. There was a time there where there's some there's some questionable Hall of Famers that came out of the 20s, 30s, and 40s. So um, more legit Hall of Famers, the 70s might have been a de the decade. More actual Hall of Famers, maybe not. Um, oh, I wish they hadn't screwed up the Hall of Fame. I used to love uh, talking about debating, discussing. Like 67. What's that? I haven't been there since like 67. Wow. I wasn't anywhere in 67. Um, I'm thinking about taking my son up to the Hall of Fame this year. I, I went, uh, I've never taken my son. Um, I went in 1997, I think it's the only time I've been there. And it's a, we did a road trip in, uh, in college. Um, I didn't take my son this summer. We just need to get in the car and go. I may see if he's available this weekend. I'll have to talk to his scheduler. <laughs> Kyle Kapler asks at patreon.com slash redlegradio, which is better, TJ Antone's slider or Luis Castillo's changeup? Changeup. Yeah, but it's, Castillo, but man, Antone. But it's close. It is close. Right, we need to run through these last few questions if we can get to them because we've, uh, gosh, I just saw we've gone long as we always do, Bill. Yeah, we do. Nathan Connor, as the Reds return to Cincinnati, it also means a return of Barry Larkin to the booth. I have a statement then a question. Barry Larkin is the greatest player in Major League Baseball history to wear number 11. Obviously true. 
Who is second best? Who is second best? I looked. I looked up number elevens when I saw this question. I think it's a pretty clear number number two, to me. Who do you think? I think Edgar Martinez uh, from the Mariners. He's, a DH. he's not even a baseball player. <laughs> he wore number eleven, and he's in so the Hall of Fame. Oh my gosh! He played for the Giants in the thirties and forties. Won the MVP twice and was in the top ten five years in a row. And 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 Carl Hubble was the guy that struck out like five straight Hall of Famers in an All Star game once. If you look back. So there- what about uh, Louis Eparicio? No. Okay. You win. What about Walt Frazier? Walt Clyde Frazier? He was a pretty good guard. Two-time I mean, NBA champion? I was more of an Earl the Pearl Monroe guy, though. Yeah, but Frazier, seven times NBA All-Star? Yeah. Come on. Got to give him some credit. All right, good, good question. Next question uh, comes from Kent Schroeder. Kent, who uh, <laughs> I, uh, I gave him a second position last week, evidently. Uh, <laughs> Chad, thanks for the second shout out last week. First week you pegged me as a center fielder on the softball team. I think your selection of utility player in the second week is more accurate. I was a third baseman in my playing career, which on the res technically qualifies me for every position on the field, as we've already discussed. Yeah. Um, hey, you're, Kent, we love you. You're the only guy that got two shout outs. His question is this. What is Derek Johnson's contract status? And shouldn't the Reds extend him as soon as possible so they not, do not lose him like the Brewers did to the Reds? And, and I tried to find what his contract status was. Bill, have you? do you know? Have you? Re- I have no idea. I couldn't find it either. And, I, and your answer is, no matter what it is, yes, they should. Pay him. You know, whatever, pay pi- right, whatever pitching coaches make, it's, not, it's, a, it's a pittance compared to what you pay your pitchers. And I, I think you pay the guy... Make him the highest paid coach, uh, you know, assistant in baseball. baseball. And do it. I I just, I've never seen an assistant, you know, someone other than the manager who is more important to the Reds than Derek Johnson is. I agree. Pay that man his money. It's a little movie quote for some of you. All right. Mike Hudson asks, give me the, I love this question. This is is one we probably could talk a whole hour about. We can't do it now because we've gone long, but. Give me the best rotation you can with pitchers that started their Reds career after January 1st, 2000, Y2K. Please discuss, then, then read mine, he says. So uh, the best rotation you can make. Let's, let's go with a five-man rotation, pitchers that started their Reds career after Y2K. Well, I, think he's, I think he's got a pretty good list here. I'd probably only change one of them. Okay, well, let's go. I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to go ahead and say his list. His list is Johnny Cueto, Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, uh, Gray, either Doug or Sonny. He's allowing us to pick. I'll take Sonny. Yeah, I'll take Sonny. Uh, and Aaron Harang. So which one would you quibble with? Harang. Oh, boy, I don't quibble with Harang at all. I think if you're going to go just on performance, I put Matt Latos in that spot for the time, at least for the time with the Reds. Matt Latos had an OPS plus or an ERA plus of 118 in his three years with the Reds. No. Aaron Harang was 103. No, I take Harang. Not me. Harang had, uh, you know, war seasons of 6 and 5.3 and 4.5. Three of the top 10 wins above replacement seasons for pictures of any red in uh, since 2000. Or of pictures that started debuted after 2000. Three of the top nine. I take Aaron Harang all day. Not- and of course, now it's not fair to Trevor Bauer, who had 2.9 in, you know, 60 games. Um, 
but I I think I dropped I think I dropped I think Castillo or Johnny Cueto first of all yes I take Luis Castillo I take Sonny Gray I take Aaron Harang I dropped Trevor Bauer and then it's a uh, for the last you take you keep the Trevor Bauer from last year you drop the Trevor Bauer from the year before yeah I just yeah right I mean he's the only side want young winner for the Reds so I guess maybe we need to take him but and, and look, I want to say Latos is not a bad choice he was good but. My number five starters between a couple of guys. Arroyo and two. Bronson Arroyo. Mm-hmm. Bronson Arroyo, who 6.8 wins above replacement in 2006, the highest number of any Reds pitcher since 2000. And here we go. I'm getting ready to go off off the grid. Elmer Descends. Really? He wasn't even on my list. <laughs> Elmer Descends. Look at his 2001-2002 seasons. I was looking at the, the other one I looked at was Di Scalfani. Di Scalfani, he's up there. He's up there. I think uh, the only other guy may uh, maybe you talk about Edinson Volquez. Maybe I looked at him. Yeah, but I don't think so. No, I think you know Bronson Arroyo is in that mix, and I think Elmer Desc- People don't remember Elmer Descends because he had a goofy name. He was a good pitcher. He was a better pitcher than people realize. Is he still in the organization? I don't think so. I hope so. I thought he was a pitching coach way down in the low level, but he may be, he may have moved on. I don't know. We need to find out where is Elmer Descends, and will you come join the podcast? Um, so I'm going with Elmer Descends. That's who I'm going with my, for my fifth starter. I'm taking Elmer Descends over Trevor Bauer. What do you think about that? I think you're crazy, but that's okay. Well, you thought I was crazy for years. so That's true. Charles Zollers asks, Bob Castellani should pump money into Dogecoin so we can afford players next year. But anyways, who do you see us trading if we're still competing by the deadline? <laughs> Dogecoin. Let me answer this. On Elmer Descends' Wikipedia page, it says he is currently an assistant pitching coach for the Arizona League Reds. Oh, see, how did you know that? I don't know how I knew that. Like, like you said before, I know all kinds of stuff from that I shouldn't know, and I don't know what I had for lunch today. All right. Um, here's a point that Charles's question is, who do you see the Reds trading for still yep. competing by the deadline? And here's my here's my opinion. <sighs> Nobody. There was kind of a question like this last week, wasn't there? I can't remember what happened last week. I wish um, you I wish you knew how hard I tried to forget every conversation I ever have with Chris Garber. <laughs> I try to eliminate it from my mind as quickly as possible. Charles, the the answer to your question is a it's too it's too soon to have any idea and and b I'm not sure the Reds have anything anybody's going to want. Right, I think that I think the thing is the Reds are not going to do any dealing at the deadline because if it requires Bob Castellini, who has not pumped money into Dogecoin yet, um, if it requires him taking on salary, no, there's no it's not going to happen. I mean, we need to wrap our brains around the fact that Bob Castellini has given up on this team. And the baseball ops department and the on-field management are trying to, and the players are trying as hard as they can to compete. And they're not bad. But Castellini is not supporting that effort. And so the answer is, it's not going to happen. Castellini is not going to allow them to go out and get people. And we just need to, we need to just accept that and, you know, cheer for the team that we've got. The only way that they make trades at the deadlines is if they're dumping Right. Yes. Yes. If they they could dump they could dump uh, salary, which we've seen them yep. do already, and so, so hope Castellanos or somebody like that. Hopefully, they're not in the position to have to do that because they're out of the race. 
Right. Hopefully. Yeah, but I don't. I don't. I'm sorry, man. Charles, I love you, buddy. I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. All right, last question, and well, let's go ahead and try to answer it. I've not even read it yet because Risto Neely, as usual, has just barely gotten in under the wire here. Um, it just came across the across the wire as we were recording, so I'm going to go ahead and read it, and if we can answer it, we can answer it. If not, we then whatever. We'll finish this thing. Here's uh, Risto's uh, question. I ain't felt this good about the Reds since 1970. Second reference to the early 70 Reds. From our, uh, they knew uh, I was I'm telling you, Richard Stallard and Risto Neely knew that they were going to hit one in your wheelhouse here. So, um, yeah, the Orioles handed us our hats, but it was fun watching them get there. Much like it might be this year. Good evening, Chad and Bill. Risto likes to he likes to write a paragraph. I love him. He's the best. And and if you join us on uh, our Patreon, our Slack channel, you get to know Risto, and it's the best thing you'll ever do. One thing that's frosted me lately is certain pundits and writers have made subtle comparisons of this 2021 team to the Big Red Machine. One print article, and he capital letters here, one print article even used the word machine in its byline. I've not seen that one. Although this team has played good baseball, and for the most part been fun to watch, the Big Red Machine gave us greatness. More, more capital letters. Your thoughts, please. I'm letting you have this one, Bill. I've heard on the broad on the TV broadcast. I haven't listened to any radio broadcasts. I'll be honest. The only comparisons they made to the Big Red Machine were, you know, they've scored more runs than any team since blah blah blah, and they they'd show all the teams. I don't think that was a comparison. I think that was just saying that they scored more runs. I don't think anybody's. In fact, I think somebody said something the other day, and and they said, well, I don't know where so-and-so would play with a grade eight or how he'd fit in with a grade eight or something like that. Or maybe that was Chris Garber last week that said that. I don't know. But I don't think anybody in their right mind is comparing anybody on this team to one of those 70s Reds teams. Uh, that's just ludicrous. Um, and this team's got a long way to go before it's a, a mach- any type of a machine. Yeah, they can be good. But what was uh, – I'll ask you this one, Bill. What was – Sparky Anderson, Big Red Machine manager Sparky Anderson. What was his uh, What was his quote when someone was talking about Thurman Munson? Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, it was before the '76 World Series, and they were to comparing Thurman Munson to Johnny Bench, and they said, and, they, and the Sparky had said something along the lines of, "You know, he's a very good player, but don't embarrass him by comparing him to Johnny Bench." This team could be very good, but let's not embarrass them by comparing them to the best. Let's not compare Jonathan Indy to Joe Morgan. <laughs> right, right. It's not a criticism of Jonathan Indy to say he's not. Quite, no, he's not quite Joe Morgan yet. Right. Uh, and I would be willing to predict he never will be, but I hope I'm wrong. Well, I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong too. But you know what? Um, how many pitch, on my side. How many second basemen in the history of Major League Baseball have been as good as Joe Morgan? Maybe Arguably one. zero. Um, yeah, maybe Hornsby. Maybe, yeah. So, um, one last oh, thing. Wait, go, wait, wait, before we, yeah, go ahead. Rogers Hornsby also wore number eleven for two years. So, really? Yes. Hmm. We may have to put him above uh, Walt Clyde Frazier. <laughs> Let me ask you your, quickly, Bill, your opinion of this uh, story because we got to get out. But it was something I wanted to kind of talk about, but we just uh, didn't really have time to really dive into it deeply. But what do you think about this idea that the MLB is experimenting with moving the mound back to 61 feet and six inches? They're uh, they're doing it in the Atlantic League, Atlantic League this summer. Easy for me to say. Um, 
traditionally, 60 feet, 6 inches. Um, and the first half of the season, they're going to be at that 60 feet, 6 inches. Second half, they're going to move it back to 61 feet, 6 inches, which is, that's something I've kind of been saying. I didn't know what the answer was, whether lower the mound or whatever, you know, uh, or move it back a little bit. But just as a response to the way the game has evolved in terms of strikeouts and um, the velocity. Do you have any quick thoughts about moving the mound back? Uh, you, you want me to get out and you, you want to get off my lawn moment is what you want here. <laughs> yeah, um, pretty much. Basically, it's quit messing with my game. Um, I don't like, I hate the uh, the, the extra, extra innings rule. I hate seven inning double headers. I hate the designated hitter, even though I'm becoming convinced that Next year, it'll become part of the National League. I agree. It doesn't mean I got to like it. Um, quit changing the game that I grew up with and that I love. And and I don't think we need to change the rules. I think hitters need to get better. They need to adjust. I I, I don't think we need a three-hitter uh, rule. I don't think we need any of this nonsense. You know, they're talking about limiting the number of times pitchers can throw to first base. I mean, it's nonsense. Quit messing with my game. Okay, maybe I did set it on the tee for you to be an old man yelling at the clouds, but um, <laughs> but I disagree. I don't like the DH. I hate the extra inning rule. Um, but I every other sport changes their rules to increase the competitive play on the field, and I like the fact that the. Um, the MLB is experiment, experimenting with some of these things in the minor leagues. And I don't care if they do it in the minor leagues. I don't care. You can do it. You can do whatever the hell you want in the minor leagues. But experiment with it and see if it's something you need to change in the big leagues. But you're saying you don't want them to ever change it in the big leagues ever. You want the game that you grew up with. Yes. Oh, boy. And, and you say, mate, to, what, what have they changed in football that made it better and more competitive? Well, they're constantly tinkering with the rules. I, I, you, that doesn't necessarily make it better. Well, we I can argue about that. It depends on your perspective, right? I guess. Um, you know, well, I'm just saying other sports do it. Why should baseball be the only one that's beholden to a sport from 1920? Anyway, we're going to get off on a tangent here, but yeah, that's my, my point. Is leave my major league baseball alone. Oh boy, we yeah, we do need another episode because we need to fight about this. <laughs> can we agree on this point? You never get tired of being wrong. <laughs> Can we agree on one point, which is that replay has ruined every sport that it's been used in? Yes. Even Re though, you know what? And I know I'm, I think I'm the only guy on the planet that thinks this. But I don't think Winker's ball was a home run. Yeah, you're the only guy on the planet. If you all saw I that. Think, I think there's a there's a some type of material behind that pad. And I think it hit the top of that plywood or whatever, and came back. I do not. I do not believe it hit the, it hit the seat. It seems, and, I, and I've watched it like four, five, six, seven times. I cannot see it hitting the seat. After this entire podcast, it seems like a pretty good place to to stick a pin in it with Bill demonstrating the fact that he's completely insane and he's seeing things, <laughs> or not, or not seeing things, or not seeing things. 
<laughs> this is the Red Leg Nation Radio Podcast, episode number 370. Go tell your friends, uh, you know, seriously, try to help us out uh, distributing this to a wider audience where everywhere you find podcasts. Love all, all of you that uh, that listen every week and uh, love all of you that support us at Patreon. Uh, if you want to support us at Patreon.com slash Red Leg Radio, highly encouraged, would appreciate it. It helps us keep things keep the lights on here at Red Leg Nation Radio headquarters in uh, in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, but it's not, not required. Um, Bill, any final thoughts for us? No, I've given them all. I'm out. <laughs> you're, you're done. No more hot takes. For Bill Lack and Elmer DeSins, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.